Well, hey, friends, welcome to the AGWM Leadership Podcast. Super excited today as we're starting a series where we're talking about developing others. That's something all of us do as mm-hmm. leaders and as global workers. And today, I'm very excited to have Daryl Jump with us. Daryl and Sarah serve in Central Asia. And Daryl, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, my wife, Sarah, and I started with AGWM in 2008. Before that, we pastored in the Alaska district, so we're sent from the Alaska Ministry Network. We've been in Kyrgyzstan and in Turkey, so in Central Eurasia, kind of our whole career. Wow. Uh, A number of years ago, we were were leading a small church planning team in Kyrgyzstan, kind of in our early years, Mm -hmm. and began to kind of work on ideas related to development and bringing more people in. Kyrgyzstan was a small field. Kazakhstan, very few people working there. Uzbekistan, very few people working there. Mm -hmm. And so we began to dream about what can we do to see this grow. And kind of out of that dream and out of that processing and and working with kind of some larger movements happening in our area, Mm -hmm. uh, Live Dead Silk Road was born, which kind of became a vehicle for focusing on development and focusing on mobilization. Awesome. And so we've been... Uh, really concentrated in developing others and in 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 mobilizing people into church planting mm-hmm. ministry for the last eight or nine years. So I, I think one of the things that I find exciting when I talk to you guys is you guys have really experienced a lot of growth over those 11 years. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about, like, how much have you guys grown as an area? Yeah, so our area in at the end of 2012 was somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe... 50 or 60 adults. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly. Uh, when we started Live Dead Silk Road, I think it was probably 40-ish of those of those adults. Mm-hmm. And we've grown up until the end of 2021. So mm-hmm. last last year, we were around 145 maybe, something like that. Wow. So not quite doubled twice over, yeah. the, over the last eight years. Which eight is absolutely years. amazing. Yeah. And of course, when you mobilize people, um, we quickly find as leaders, okay, you're getting all these new people in, and we want to pour into them so that not only are they transformed if they move on, but really part of our goal is that they'll be effective at what God has called them to do mm-hmm. and will stay long-term long-term where, the, where they're ministering. Um, so walk me through a little bit. How do you do that? Yeah. Why is it important? Uh, You know, for us, developing people and focusing on mobilization has always been important because the task is so massive. Mm -hmm. You know, we have uh, have tens of millions, hundreds of millions of very unreached peoples in in people groups that are unreached and in nations that are largely unreached. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we just recognize our own limitations and we're like, oh, this is this is way beyond us. Yeah. Uh, And then and then just the recognition that that like it feels really simple to get on an airplane, boom, you're in Africa. Get on an airplane, suddenly a couple airplanes, you know, you're in Kyrgyzstan or something yeah. like that. But So it feels really easy, but but the reality is it's incredibly challenging and, and stressful and stretching. And and so for us, it's been such a huge joy, especially with new people, but even with people who've been there for a while that want to keep growing, mm-hmm. um, to be involved in people's journeys and be involved in helping people uh, learn language and culture, helping them learn how to share the gospel or learn how to disciple new believers in a, in a completely different environment than where they're from. is All of that's been really, really exciting for us. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's very cool. Um, so when you think about um, developing people, and if you were to, 
to lay out a few reasons. Say, hey, well, this is this is why it's important. What mm. would be what would be some of those factors? Yeah, I mean, the number one reason I think for me really comes down to this idea that uh, all of us are called of God mm-hmm. to to the work that's in front of us, and so that that means not just me, but that means every single person that yeah. that is around me now. As as an area director, having this this kind of vision for the whole area, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have I have 150 people who who have a call from God, who have a very specific kind of purpose that God has for them. And that's really significant. God has work he wants to do with these people. Mm-hmm. And so being able to uh, to be involved in helping them grow and helping them fulfill what God has called them to do uh, is, is just, a, for me, is a big part of why I really love doing this. We don't yeah. want anyone to waste their potential yeah. um, and to, to, to miss what God has called them to do. And so we want to be able to help them really achieve whatever that is. Okay, so... In a regular sense, when you think about developing people, um, there are there are challenges just in a normal context. Mm-hmm. When you think about an area in Central Asia where you're spread out all over the place, what are some of the challenges that you have to overcome in order to successfully develop others? Yeah, uh, challenges. I mean, the, the the most obvious one is that we're spread out. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the areas, you know, geographically are relatively small, but a lot of the areas in AGW, like the planet is huge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so a lot of the areas in AGWM are really large. Uh, Central Eurasia is about the same geographic size as the United States minus Alaska. So it's mm-hmm. just physically, it, it's massive. And functionally, uh, we've got kind of a bunch of people in the upper Midwest and a bunch of people on the coasts. Yeah. And so our people are really quite spread out as well. Uh, and so geography creates creates big problems. How Absolutely. do I think about developing someone who lives three time zones away from me? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I work to to be sort of engaged and aware enough in what's going on in people's lives if they're in a different country? Yeah. Uh, maybe they're working in a different language group. They're working in a different kind of culture. We have sort of a couple layers of cultures in our mm-hmm. area. And I think that's relatively common for a lot of areas. You have yeah. various geographical time zone uh, terrain kinds of challenges that just mm-hmm. make development difficult. You know, when we look at the New Testament, you're looking at Jesus growing his disciples, like he's taking them along with them. Yeah. You know, they're physically together. Uh, all of that stuff that we see Jesus doing is is very sort of direct yeah. and personal. And we're stuck um, most of the time in a situation where we are more like the Apostle Paul, having to sort of write letters and try to help people mm-hmm. at a distance. So that's a big challenge. Um, I do think, you know, there's other kinds of challenges. We're all very busy. Yeah. Uh, even even as we've been trying to coordinate this conversation, you know, hey, let's chat. Okay, let's do it next week. Okay, this time. That doesn't work. You know, like mm-hmm. like everybody's time is really full. And as, as area directors or as ministry directors in AGWM, I don't, I don't know of anybody who has a, has a job that is simple, that has a lot of spare time, yeah. and that's just looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. And so finding the time to, to be engaged in, in other people's lives to the point that you can help them grow and develop is, is challenging for all of us and, and for the people that we want to help, yeah. them finding the time as well. Um, so, I, I mean, that, as I hear you talking and think about, yeah, all the things we're juggling, there's different responsibilities. How do you prioritize who do you prioritize pouring into and um, and so that you make sure everybody's getting developed but you know that you have limited uh, you have mm-hmm. limited ability limited time to pour into just a, you know probably not everybody individually and personally so how did how does that work as an area as you're as you're juggling all your different responsibilities yeah it you know for us like developing others developing leaders in particular is part of the 
sort of the tier three job description for mm-hmm. area directors and ministry directors. And this was just added a couple years ago, mm-hmm. maybe 2018 or something like that. Um, this has become part of who we're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, and nobody, you know, we had the three things, the member care, the strategic kind of leadership and vision and the administrative. Nobody gave us another third of a day yeah. to kind of work on this. And so um, it is really a case of trying to think about, okay, this is part of what we need to do because we've created mm-hmm. tier four leadership as a, as a role, uh, as, a, as an opportunity, and, and we need to serve those people well. Um, in that job description, though, really interestingly, it says, I think I have it here. Uh, it says um, that we need to be intentional about raising up potential leaders of both genders and begin that development from the early days of the assignment. We're responsible for training or for coaching or for yeah. those kinds of things. And so to me, that says, man, try to hit kind of, there's a variety there. Like yeah. I have people who are tier four leaders, you know, who have like a church planning team that they're leading and they're involved in, in ministry in a particular place. And I need to be intentional about helping them be a be a great leader in that context and and helping them grow as a church planter or as a team leader or whatever i also have brand new people who you can see potential in people you can see that people um god's called them he's given them certain kinds of raw talents and skills and giftings and Mm -hmm. and and we want to we want to serve them as well so for us as as area directors we've focused in our development in a in kind of a handful of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what we're doing is we are mentoring people who are specifically focused on helping new people. Yeah, and so we did the we worked directly with brand new people for seven or eight years, mm-hmm. and uh, and now we've mostly kind of had to hand that off, and we're mentoring a few other leaders who really work directly with m- the bulk of our new people. Come to just a few of our teams and work on language and, and yeah. grow in that season. Um, I'm always trying to develop a few people that are geographically right next to me. So right. if I can find a couple people who live in the same city as me yeah. or who live, you know, at least in the same the same valley or the same sort of general space and we can be together sometimes and be engaged in their lives, mm-hmm. uh, I really want to be able to do that. And then uh, we have, because we, because we have sort of a number of people and we're all spread out, mm-hmm. uh, I have people who are also engaged in, they're leading a team, but they're also partly working to help develop a few other team leaders or a few mm-hmm. other tier four leaders. And so um, and so we're working, and that's all at distance. They live yeah. in Turkey, they live in Azerbaijan, they live other places. Um, but we are working to develop people who are, um, at least part of their job is also developing others, but other experienced global workers, other people who've been on the field for a number of years. So we're kind of doing, I have my fingers, I guess, in sort of a little bit of that top level yeah. development of people who are really active leaders, have been leaders, and, and we're trying to help them grow. Uh, I have my fingers a little bit in the, just a, your sort of everyday new tier four leader kind of spot. And then mm-hmm. we're also just working with some brand new people. So when you think about your time prioritization or, or percentages, how much of your time do you spend developing that level of people? Uh, probably, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, it might be upwards of a quarter to a third of my time. So a significant amount of yeah, your yeah. time really is pouring into the the people who are leading and developing others. Yeah, I think I'd have to think about that. I think it varies quite a bit. We spend a decent chunk of time on mobilization. Mm-hmm. We have some people that help with the um, with the uh, admin side of things mm-hmm. that the that the area director or ministry director role kind of comes with. Um, we we do a lot of stuff that's kind of related to pastoral care, but we also have because we have tier four leaders and we're training tier four leaders to 
to also provide member care at their local context. A lot of that is kind of distributed as well. Uh, and so we feel responsible for that, but it's not like Sarah and I have to provide pastoral care for every yeah. single person directly, um, which really does leave for us the strategic and the development side of things as as kind of key parts of what we're up to. So probably, yeah, probably a quarter or a third of our time. Yeah, which is, I love that. I love the, the prioritization on it and the willingness to say no or to find creative solutions to to help um, fulfill your other responsibilities, mm. but really focusing down and honing and saying, yeah, this this is a, a major part of my role. And I know we were talking a little bit earlier about attrition. And talk to us a little bit about attrition in your part of the world, um, in your area specifically. And is there a correlation? I mean, that's a that's a terrible closed-in question. But um, how do you think that your investment in developing others affects attrition? Yeah, you're going to put me on the spot now. Uh, we've been looking at attrition in our part of the world just because I... I uh, we do a lot of work to try to mobilize people. Mm-hmm. and But I feel like as I started off with talking about, we care about development because I care about every person's call. I care about what God has called them to do, and I want to see them flourish mm-hmm. in that. And so um, mobilizing is a big deal because we have lots of empty space with sort of nothing going on. Yeah. Um, but, man, keeping people is a, is a huge deal as yeah. well. Uh, letting, you know, there's people who show up and who serve a little bit, and it's not the right fit, and it's yeah. healthy and appropriate for them to, to go find the right fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the people who are supposed to be where they are, uh, I want to keep all of them. Yeah. And so... Um, uh, That's think- such a good way of saying that, by the way. I mean, yes, we hate to lose people who God has called and really they should be there. Yeah. 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 And, but, Sorry but, but some attrition is good, right? Yes. Like some attrition mm-hmm. is, is appropriate and is yeah. healthy and is uh, for a variety of reasons, whether yeah. positive or negative. Um, so we're looking at our attrition rate and we're trying to, and so I have this big Excel file basically with mm-hmm. everybody's names and when they arrived and when they left and what the reasons were. And then in attrition studies, they really classify things as um, as preventable or mm-hmm. unpreventable. Right. And so some, some attrition is unpreventable, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, somebody retires, you can't really force them to stay in the field. Somebody passes away, you can't stop that. Somebody um, usually people getting married mm-hmm. and, and leaving to go start their new life as a married person counts as yeah. unpreventable attrition. But then there's a bunch of preventable stuff like yeah. conflict with your organization, mm-hmm. conflict with your area director. Uh, that probably uh, never happens. I know. In your I mean, area. you know, some, you know, people, uh, <laughs> people come up with, I mean, we had somebody convert to Catholicism. Well, that's kind of a interesting, interesting <laughs> option. It doesn't work very well with AGW. So, no, like, so there's some attrition, right? So, uh, so there's a bunch of things that are theoretically at least preventable. And, uh-huh. and as we look at those numbers, uh, and I think we're sort of still early in this. I said we've been doing this eight or nine years. So we have a whole bunch of people that are kind of seven or eight years and yeah. under, um, which means, you know, maybe they haven't hit some of those big attrition sort of yeah. spots where people have a tendency to drop off. Um, but it looks like in our early numbers, like focusing on development early and giving people a really good foundation, mm-hmm. making sure that they invest in language and culture, making sure that they invest in talking to lost people and working on discipleship and evangelism skills so that they feel like we can live here, we can communicate here, we know the sort of basic core of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot more to learn after that. But getting that foundation, I think, has helped people have a general sense of uh, of uh, within a couple of years, they can say, this is something I can do and I want to invest myself in it. Yeah. Or they can say, this isn't the right fit and I need to move on to something else. Yeah. And so your, your attrition numbers, 
are just run them by real quick uh, percentage-wise? area, we're at about 4%. 4%, yeah. which is really, I mean, of course, we want it to be lower than that, but really, that's that's really amazing. Yeah, I think, and, I think about two-thirds to three-quarters of that would be classified as uh, preventable attrition, yeah. so people leaving for immaturity or conflict or lack of vision for the call or all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, there are people passing away or people retiring or yeah. people getting married and some of that preventable stuff as well, unpreventable so, stuff. So a major takeaway to me is, hey, why is it important for us to do, to do, to develop others and pour into that is, hey, it helps not only equip people to be more effective, but it helps them to stay longer mm -hmm. while they're being more effective, which actually helps us get the job done. Yeah. And so, yeah, critical. Great. Um, any other challenges that are unique to AGWM and our context as global you know, workers? I think I think our organizational culture makes developing others a little bit of a challenge. Okay. Not in the sense that we don't value this. Like uh -huh. I think it's something that's valued. It's part of our job description now. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, like if you think about AG ministries in the U.S., mm -hmm. um, call up your local district or network and say, hey, what are you doing as a district to intentionally develop the senior pastors in your network? Yeah. Uh, and I called a couple and um, and they kind of there, there's things that are available, mm -hmm. um, but but we're very used to being very independent. We're yes. used to being pioneers uh, and our churches are that way as well. Right? Yeah. And our senior pastors are that way, like our our organizational culture and the and the milieu that we come out of. Yeah. Um, uh, sort of leads us to go and do your thing. When we went to the field, mm -hmm. we got dropped off and we were told, hey, like, figure it out. Don't deny Jesus. Um, we'll help you get a cell phone next week if you need it. Like, just kind of like, like we're independent people. Yeah. And we're there to do what we're called to do. And the people who were kind enough to pick us up and kind of help us get settled into a physical space to sleep. Yeah. You know, they they were there to do what they were called to do. And that's kind of how we worked. And I don't, I, I, I don't, you know, in, in Eurasia, that's changed over the last decade mm -hmm. or so. But it, even for us, it's relatively new Yeah. to move in the direction of, we're all working together in teams. There's a whole new layer of leadership called tier four. Like mm -hmm. there's all this stuff that is changing within our organization. And some of our organizational culture is not necessarily ready to look at you and mm -hmm. go, oh, well, you're my area director. Part of your job is to help me grow. Yeah. Um, and, and I see that within myself and I see that kind of within sure. our culture. So I think that that's something that, that also makes it potentially challenging, mm -hmm. particularly when we're looking at um, people who have been on the field for a while. Absolutely. New people showing up, they're super excited, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, I don't have a clue. Um, I'm here to save the world, but I don't really know what I'm doing yet. Please help me, right? Mm -hmm. And it's they're they're fun to work with, and it's it's challenging because they have they have a lot of growing to do. But it's really yeah. it's really exciting. It's really fun, and they all sort of get that they aren't quite ready. Okay, so your team largely is seven years seven-year veterans and below i mean not yeah completely. yeah we have like a quarter of us that are sort of all the way out to 40 years or whatever and then probably three quarters that are at seven or eight years and under so i'm going to guess in um, latin america africa some maybe some of our other fields we have a lot more of those older veterans yeah. so how do you get around that how do you how do you engage in that conversation so that you can also make sure you're you're pouring in and developing them yeah in in my experience, the our, our veterans, our people, and again, we have a relatively small number of them, but the people who've been around quite a bit longer, 10 years and longer, so mm -hmm. uh, a good chunk of them still are trying to learn. They're trying to figure things out. They also want to grow. Yeah. Uh, but they don't express it the same way that the, the brand new MA expresses it. Okay. You know, when I, when I interact with brand new MAs, I'll often tell them, hey, we have these cool six AGWM competencies. <laughs> 
And just if you read between the lines with me, that means that you're sort of incompetent right now. <laughs> and, you know, like your 25-year-old, even your 35-year-old who's brand new, they kind of laugh at that and they go, yeah. oh, yeah, I need to learn these things. Um, you definitely don't say that to a 10-year veteran, <laughs> right? Like, like you can't go, well, you're sort of incompetent. Just in these two areas, you're doing good. At, you know, like it's not. Yeah. And that's not really reality. Anybody mm -hmm. who's made it for 10 or 15 or 20 years on the field uh, at least, again, the people that I know, like they're not really incompetent in any yeah. of the six. Like they have the basic competencies. Um, but a lot of them still want to grow. Yeah. They still have a desire to see things happen. Uh, and they're still, they can, they can see that stuff is not happening in ways that they would like. They, they recognize in themselves some kinds of weaknesses or inadequacies or just things they need to learn. Or, um, and so that hunger is still there for yeah for the new people and for the veterans. I think it's pretty consistent across mm -hmm. most of us. Um, but how it gets expressed is different. Mm -hmm. I have trouble saying, oh, I'm really not very good at this and yeah. I need help to grow in this. Uh, and that's pretty normal. It feels sort of embarrassing or it feels sort of shameful to be yeah. like, oh, I'm really, I'm bad at this thing that I yeah. should be good at on the field. Um, and so most of us don't want to admit those things. And so it's not, you have to, as a leader, um, you have to figure out how can I, help people grow who want to grow, but who aren't quite willing to, like, how do we identify where they need to grow? They're not really ready to tell me that directly. And, yeah. uh, and so I, for us, a lot of our leading of veterans and our work in development has way more, it's way more collaborative. Um, there's a lot more sort of coaching kinds of skills rather than teaching kinds of skills. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot more sort of just in time kinds of stuff, like what's going on right now? Where are you being stretched? Where's your kind of your growth edge right now? And, and how can I sort of help support you? And, and in most cases, they want to grow. And so they're already sort of doing the work and you yeah. come alongside to sort of support. And it's really great for us because we, I feel like we learn a lot and glean a lot. Yeah, absolutely. As I'm developing a veteran, they're developing me as well. Yeah. And so. so you use um, different methods for different people according to where they're at mm -hmm. um, so that you can help them to make that jump. Very cool. So um, if we're sitting here and saying, man, I'd, I really would like to kind of kick on the, off on this with developing people or growing it, um, we're going to talk a lot more details the next two sessions on mm -hmm. how to do that and some things. But what would be some just kind of general things if someone said, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. How do I, how do I start that? Yeah. Uh, next session, we're going to talk a lot about kind of environment and how to create an environment for development. And that for me, that's a big one to start with. Like mm -hmm. when you ask that question, my brain says, who do I need to be uh, in order to create a, an environment and, and to help people grow? Like what is, who do I need to be? What do I need to deal with in myself? Or what do I, where do I need to grow? Or that kind of thing. Um, because I need to be able to look at people, uh, see their strengths, see their potential. Yeah. Uh, Michelangelo would talk about how when he's carving statues, he looks at a block of marble and he says, the statue's already in there. There's yeah. already this beautiful thing within this block and it's my job to sort of unveil it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's exactly how God works in people. Like God can see this incredible human made in the image of God, uh, growing up into the image of Christ, serving in this cross-cultural context. Like, like that's there for every mm -hmm. single person that we yeah. have. And when I'm developing, when I'm involved in people's journeys, it's mostly a matter of saying, hey, how can we work on sort of chipping some of this stone over here to reveal this beautiful yeah. bicep on this statue that's going to emerge? Um, so that's a big thing for me is just thinking kind of who do I need to be? What's my posture? What's my approach? Which also um, the who we are as leaders 
when what I'm hearing you say is inherently when we see people, we need to see beyond the surface and see the value mm. that God sees in them. Yeah. And even though sometimes people are complicated and sometimes they do things that they're really hard to understand or seem immature, um, a leader's job really is to look past that. Absolutely. And to say, God has put them here and with and underneath all those layers, how do I help them become who God already sees them to be? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Very yeah. cool. And then uh, the second kind of part of that, I would think, is like, what does development actually look like? Mm-hmm. Like when I'm thinking about team leaders and I'm dreaming about what's possible, like what would it look like for Central Eurasia to have uh, a bunch of team leaders, a bunch of tier four leaders who are really well developed in this work as followers of Jesus looking like Jesus? And so you think about competencies, but you also think about um, just looking like Jesus. What's their posture as a leader look like? What's their kind of the way that they engage with team members, with ministry, and those kinds of things. Uh, and so having an awareness of where are we trying to go. Mm-hmm. So not just that vision of what that person is, but where are we as a community trying to, what's the direction for this sort of yeah. process. And so for us, at least, those have been kind of two major components. And I love mm-hmm. that you talk about, like, this is what God sees within people. Like, that's that's kind of a heart for us. My dad used yeah. to say that, like, every single person you meet is uniquely created by God. Yeah. And so every single person that you meet has something interesting, something incredibly lovable, something beautiful about them. Uh, and what an incredible way to look at all the people that we get to work with. Yes. And being able to get rid of all the distractions that would stop us from seeing that. Um, and that takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of um, thinking about it up front, maybe, and tilting your heart a certain direction, which, man, I know personally um, that's an area that I can grow in for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Daryl. Um, a couple of takeaways that I've had today are the value of people mm-hmm. and the importance of us seeing that. Um, secondly, the importance of developing others as a mobilization aspect. In other words, you guys have really grown, and I'm, I'm probably making an assumption here, but part of that is if people know they're coming to an area where they're going to be invested mm-hmm. in and growing, mm-hmm. that's got to be attractional. I think so. But even more so, rooting people with, so that we can avoid attrition and help people be more effective in what they're doing. And just think in AGWM what it would look like if we as a world could do that well yeah. and what an impact it would make in planting the church. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super excited for us to dive into now the more practical things. Okay, yeah. how do we do that? And I know yeah. Sarah's going to be joining us, or really she's taking a point taking on over. this next. She's taking over on this one and, and is going to lead us through that. And um, then we'll talk a little bit more about some structures. But thank you so much for hanging out today. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, hey, we'll see you guys next time.